Castillo. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 44 of the Flight Deck Podcast. It's your boy TK with my guys, as always, Mr. Matthew Freeze and Mr. Omari Brown. Fellas, what's good? Hey, what's going on? Listen, Mondays are always better, or any day after a Jets win is always good, so I'm I'm ready to pod today. I don't know about y'all. What's going on? Glad to be back. Got a lot to talk about. Big win. Can't wait to uh, you know jump right in and go through it. Oh yeah, huge win, man! Huge win, and the circumstances surrounding the win is, is even crazier. But uh, yeah, we gonna get into all of that, man. But before we do, we gonna do what we normally do and do a little uh, around the league. Um, and the first thing I want to start off with for, for around the league for myself, man, is the the good news about Calvin Ridley. The Atlanta Falcons wide receiver. Now, everybody knows he's taking a break from the game. Um, and and that's is why I say it's good news. You know, these guys go through a lot of pain physically and the mental toll that that weighs on them, you know, being a star athlete and the pressures and all of that. A lot of guys suffer in silence, man. And he took upon himself to walk away for his mental health. And I, I really applaud that, you know, and I applaud him for doing that. And, you know, I wish more athletes took the time to heal themselves, not only physically, but mentally as well, because mental health is just as important as physical health. So shout out to Calvin, man. Um, I, I hope he gets all the, the peace and and help that he needs. And if he comes back, I hope he comes back better. And if he doesn't come back, I, I hope he gets better. You know, the game will always be there, but your health won't. So shout out to him. And, and and good luck. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, it, it takes a it takes a real man to step away from doing something you love in, in pursuit of you know finding peace in your own head. And I'm a very big mental health advocate. You know, I, I've suffered from my own stuff. Uh, you know, in my own head. So, no, kudos to him. Good for him to take you know for taking a stand and, and really putting himself first. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure that you know the team's gonna miss him, but the team should also understand that. At the end of the day, this is just a game. You only play the game if you're lucky. You know, average span of time players play is, what, three to five years? Calvin really is going to have a significantly longer career than that. And the game, like you said, Tyrus, will always be there for him. So good for him on taking the step away and, you know, going to clear his head. Yeah, just to echo just what you guys said, I think I'm really proud of the time that that I get to be an adult. Because, I mean, just think about it. Like, Matt and, Matt and I, were kind of in the same age range. TK, you're a little bit ahead of us. But think about how many of the guys that we looked up to are just not in a good place mentally. How many guys are beat up physically? How many guys are broke, end up, you know, alone and just just battered and, and they don't seek out and help? So I'm glad that uh, mental health is, is at the forefront of a lot of issues and, and people are – People are okay opening up and people are okay to step away from the game. So we saw that, especially after the pandemic, Naomi Osaka led the charge and a lot of other people. So, I mean, listen, I, I know that Calvin Ridley is, is the wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, but he's also Calvin Ridley, the son. He's Calvin Ridley, the brother. I don't know if he have, has any kids or anything like that, but that, that goes way beyond X's and O's. So definitely just happy that he's able to, you know, be strong enough to reach out. So kudos to him. Um, I hope that he finds what he what he's looking for and what he needs. So I love stories like this. 
Oh yeah, it, indeed, man. Again, shout out to him. You know, we talked about Naomi. Uh, uh what's what's the gymnast? I, I forget her name. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. The goat. You know, yeah. The goat. You know, the the goat yeah. of gymnastics ever of all time stepped away for her mental health. You know, and, and it's good, man. Remember back the the when the Raiders made the Super Bowl, their center. You know, he was having. Uh, and even, you know, to, to tie it to the Jets, our own ex-Jet uh, Alex Lewis, he had, you know, his bouts with mental health and he left the game. So, you know, it's a big, big thing, man. Um, yeah, we talked about mental health. It was, a, it was a lot of physical health that deteriorated yes, uh, over this weekend, man. I mean, huge names. And we talked about the GOAT, Simone Biles, Look what happened to the king, King Henry, uh, that up in Tennessee, and and his, you know, his injury, man, huge for Tennessee. We we really about to see what Tannehill is made of. Listen, we know what Tannehill's made of. So you know, for those uh, that are listening to this and haven't heard, which I'm sure everyone has, because he's the leading Russian NFL. Derrick Henry's going to be out six to ten weeks. So it crushes me because I hate to see. I think he was on pace to break the Russian record this year. And he was also on pace to carry me to a fantasy, <laughs> to a fantasy championship. But uh, no, honestly, man, it, it really sucks to say that, especially with Tennessee there, they've been winning some games down the stretch and they were definitely going to make some noise. Uh, they signed Adrian Peterson today and they have Jeremy McNichols. I do not know how that team is going to operate. Um, Julio Jones is going to have to turn back the clock and actually um produce like he was back in the day because he hasn't really done much this year. But the good news for them is that A.J. Brown looks solid. So, I mean, but that's just a huge blow uh, for that squad. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think my biggest issue is that I feel like, and, and I'm not going to say any injury can really be avoided, but they, he carries that offense. And given, given a running back, you know, the ball 30 times a game is a recipe for that running back to get hurt. That's why we constantly harp on the, the the fact that running backs are depreciating assets. If you're gonna look at look at what the Steelers are gonna do to Najee in the next couple of years, they're gonna feed him the ball and feed him the ball and feed him the ball. And yeah, if you're a fantasy football player, you're gonna love it. But if you're the actual player, if you're the actual team, you've invested assets, draft capital in that player, and you've invested money in Derrick Henry's case, and you're gonna lose him for potentially the rest of the season. I, I saw a little you know rumor he could be back for the playoffs, which you know great. I, I hope so. Uh, if they do make the playoffs, but at the end of the day, it's like, what do you expect when you're giving a running back the, the ball thirty times out of the backfield, and then he's also catching the ball out of the backfield occasionally? It's like it's a recipe for disaster. We've seen it all across the NFL, and and he's just the next victim of, of an injury, and it sucks because he very well could have been an MVP this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, man. I, I don't believe in giving one guy, especially in today's day and age, but he really makes that team go, like. You know, I mean, we watched it against the Jets. Like he, he's legit. You know, when those, when AJ Brown isn't doing what what he what we were accustomed to him doing, they don't really have much. So it's going to be interesting to see. Tannehill's going to have to earn that money, man. So we'll, we'll definitely find out. Man, he he ran for almost one sixty on us, and it happened like so easily. It seems like nobody really even thought about it. Yeah, because we all expect him to get four to six yards a clip. Yeah. So he just keeps doing that. You do that 28 times a game, you you bound to end up with 160 yards. But, um, yeah, another big injury, uh, Jameis Winston, man, torn ACL. 
Oh, and, man. Um, you know, you, you hate to see that because I think we were all rooting for Jameis. Well, I know I definitely was. I won't speak for y'all. But I that's definitely not, was. Yeah, man. I, I think that he finally, you know, found a home and, and he got hurt against Tampa Bay. And I know that was pretty much like his Super Bowl. Definitely want to prove the team that gave up on you after they took you first overall that they made a mistake. But, uh, yeah, that, that's tough. That's tough, man. But in true Jameis fashion, he was getting down on them crutches. On yeah, them he crutches. was. Yeah. And you know what, what was crazy about that? He was giving them that work. Like, Jameis looked like he was about to have a monster game. You know, he already had over 100 passing yards, and he already had, you know, 40 rushing yards. And it was like, you know, midway second quarter. Like, he, he was about to show them you shouldn't have did it. But, I mean, yeah, they – they really should have because it's, it's Tom Brady, but you know, yeah, I, I hate that. And I had just picked him up two weeks ago uh, before their buy to be my starting quarterback, and and I just knew he's about to lead me to another chip. But you know, shout out to Jameis, man. I I really hope he gets better and comes back better than ever. I really thought Sean Payton was going to unleash Jameis Winston this game because I mean he'd been a little bit more conservative probably to you know limit his interceptions and the, the mental mistakes that Jameis sometimes falls into but I think he was really I think he had a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone to like Traquan Smith or something like that I'm not sure who the wide receiver yeah, was it was Traquan beautiful was pass like, oh this is it. this is this is the four or five touchdown Jameis Winston game right now this is the resurgence game where he comes out of his little shell and they finally let him do what you know he he's a, he's a hell of a hell of a quarterback if they just let him you know throw the ball it's just limiting the mistakes mitigating the mistakes and I really thought he was going to go out there and light him up I mean at the end of the day the Saints got the got the dub and Brady got the L so I was happy at the end of the day yeah but you know it sucks and that tackle that he went down on was that was that Devin White I think it was kind of like a horse collar type yeah it type was yeah it was yeah that's kind of you know the the problem with that tackle is you're pulling them straight down off by their collar and it's just it can get really ugly for you me. And unfortunately, that was just the case. So hopefully he gets better soon. And, and they're going to have a, a little bit of a quarterback issue because they got Jets great Semyon and they got uh, Taysom Hill coming back. So going to be curious to see what they do at the quarterback position. Yeah, so you're basically saying that they don't have a quarterback, right? I'm saying they should trade for Joe Flacco for the first rounder. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, all right, so this is week eight. Yeah, week eight. So that means that the trade deadline is uh, is, fat, is quickly approaching. So by the time you guys hear this, the trade deadline will have probably most likely passed or about to or about to uh, pass. So Von Miller today was sent to the Los Angeles Rams for a second and a third rounder. Um, in LA, if you guys haven't noticed, they don't care about draft picks. They think draft picks are like paper plates. They think they're disposable and they think that they don't matter. So listen, I know that Von Miller, one of my favorite players. I know that Von Miller isn't the Von of old. He is not Super Bowl MVP Von, but he's still Von Miller, and he's still going to be right. And now he's going to be playing with some stars. This is probably probably the second most talented roster that he'll probably defense he'll probably be in because that that roster with him and D. Ware they were they were pretty good, and their back end was pretty good. Oh but, man, yeah, that was a really solid team. But listen, Leonard Floyd, Von on the edges. You got you got Aaron Donald in there. And uh, that defense is that defense is pretty good, man. So how you how y'all feeling about that? I think they just pushed, you know, all the chips in the middle of the table. Like whatever whatever deficiencies that they felt they had on defense, I think this covers it up. It 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 fixes those deficiencies because you got a real problem up front now. You you know you just protected your your back end with with this with this move right here because I mean Von Miller. Yeah, he's not the old Von Miller, but he's not old Von Miller. 
Dude has almost five sacks in 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 seven games, four and a half, I believe, somewhere up in there. So he's getting after it. And, and now you, you put him with with somebody like Aaron Donald, who who destroys everything in front of him, and it's a recipe for uh, at least the NFC Championship because the game now, you know, you get pressure up the middle. You got that off top with Aaron Donald. Now you got guys on the outside. Like, they can really do what Tampa Bay did last year in the Super Bowl and attack you with four people up front and really get after you and make your your life miserable. So, they they ready. Uh, yeah, they don't care about draft picks. And, you know, I, I'm sure in a couple of years it'll come back to bite them in the ass, but they're going for it. Matt Stafford is a legitimate MVP candidate. And this just signals to me that what they're doing essentially – is they know Kyler Murray is the real deal, and they got to get after him any which way they can. They have no choice. They got Leonard Floyd on one end, who's a speed rusher through and through. They bring in another guy who's relative. Obviously, Von Miller's 32, but he, he's lost a step. But yet he's still, you know, he, he always had that elite first step. So he still has an elite first step, just maybe a little less. And he's fast as hell. He's going to get around the around the edge, and then Kyler's going to get it up, you know, up the middle from Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald has the most sacks or the second most sacks to Von Miller over the last like six years, something to that effect. So it's just it's just an embarrassment of riches. And then on top of that, you got Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. So it's like you got arguably what three? I mean, if we're if we go back three years, those are three top ten defensive players on one defense. That's just insane to me. So it signals to me that they're going all in on it. They don't care about draft picks, and they have this nice three year window to to get something done. And uh, you know what? The Rams were my Super Bowl pick in the preseason, and uh, this just further solidifies my argument for why I think they're going to go. I think the way that this offense is functioning right now, they're just thinking like, hey, listen, we're just, we're going to be up anyway, and once we get up, we're just going to pin our ears back and come and get you. I think it's going to – I think I think they're going to have a field day. I think it's, this is going to be the first year maybe – what would you guys say? Eight years that Vaughn is going to get one-on-one attention? Like, you're not going to be able to double him on the edges. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably be able to chip him. But if you chip him, Leonard Floyd is going to have his one-on-one. And obviously, you got that beast in the middle who's going to do what he does. So I think that they, I think their goal is going to be, hey, listen, let's just um, let's air it out. Let's get up early. And then you're going to have to play from behind. And if you have to drop back and pass the ball 50-plus times, you're probably going to get sacked four-plus times. And you're probably going to get knocked down in a double-digit amount of time. So. I absolutely love that. Uh, before we move on, because we definitely got to get to some Jets stuff, um, what deals would y'all want to see, Matt? I think I know what you're going to say, Matt. Uh, are we talking about in relation to other teams or the Jets? No, no, other teams. I, I, I haven't really thought about other teams' deals, to be honest with you. I mean, I think OBJ to the Packers would probably be a That's deal I would was... love to see. Yeah, um, for him. For OBJ. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Packers are like locally owned, so it's not exactly the the flashy thing. But I think OBJ does value being on a competitive team, but also being a superstar. And I think Aaron Rodgers immediately would revitalize OBJ as a top fifteen. I would say because I, I really don't think he's a top fifteen wide receiver right now, given you know the Browns being the Browns. But yeah, OBJ playing with Aaron Rodgers across from Devontae Adams would just be fireworks, and that would pretty much remedy the last five years of the Packers neglecting to help Aaron Rodgers at the skill positions or bringing in offensive talent. So uh, I think that's the easiest trade that I can see that I really do hope works out. Now the question is, is what's the compensation? I don't think that you can make an argument that OBJ warrants a one through three. I would say it would have to be a four through four or five or six round pick. And that's 
you know, a combination of the salary that he's getting paid and the fact that I'm fairly certain this is his last year on his deal. If not, maybe one more year. So maybe it would be a little higher. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, OBJ to the Packers with A-Rod would just be straight fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the deal that I was pretty much looking for as well, too. Um, Trying to think around a league. To be honest, I'm not – the only thing I would do with the Jets, I would probably trade trade some assets. I'm not, I don't really think the Jets should be adding anybody at this point. Uh, TK, anything that come to your mind? Uh, yeah, I want to see Marlon Mack leave Indy and, and go somewhere and get a shot. Um, like that, it would have been nice in Tennessee, but I knew that wasn't gonna happen because oh, know. You know, I'm not, I'm not helping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I know that was a, a no go, but uh. You know, I would love to see him go somewhere. I, I'm a huge Marlon Mack fan. I think he's a great, great back with you know when he gets opportunities. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, o- OBJ is at the top of my list, man. I, I think he's drowning in Cleveland, and you know it's just not it's just not working, man. It never worked. I wasted two two picks on him in two consecutive years for fantasy, and you know it's time to it's time to end it, man. Just just yeah. just just let it go. For sure. What do y'all think about uh, Brandon Cooks? Where do you think that he fits in? Because, I mean, Houston really isn't going anywhere. He's still cooking. Brandon Cooks fits everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, you, if you look at his career, dude is a, a 11, 1,200-yard receiver every year, no matter where he's at. 1,000 yards. Yeah. Like, I, I think he would go to the Hall of Fame just off of what he's done so far, if you look at it, you know, in a vacuum, like wherever he goes, he shows. So, yeah. you know, I think he, I think he's one of those guys that that you don't even realize that no, he's going to end up probably with like eleven thousand reception, uh, receiving yards. Oh, damn near a thousand receptions, and everybody's gonna be like, "Wow, he really put together a really good career," and nobody really spoke about him. So, I, I, I would like to see him catch on somewhere. I'm just trying to figure yeah, out like where. Patriots, bro. I was thinking that too because they still they still really need to deep that they don't really have anybody. They, they, it's gonna happen. It's, he's gonna go to the Patriots. I could see him maybe going and comboing with Stephon Diggs with the Bills. Yeah, that I mean, that would be a good fit. That would be a great fit because it yeah. was just it would. I feel like Stephon Diggs gets so much attention that it's like if you bring in you know Brandon Cooks, it's just like send him on the nine route, call it a day. Because Josh Allen has the arm strength, he's not gonna outrun Josh Allen's arm. And honestly, sure. Brandon Cooks runs the whole damn round tree, so it doesn't make a difference. Dude's productive no matter where you go. So, I, I, without a doubt, I would I would say either of those, either the Patriots or the Bills, in division, out of division, maybe the Eagles. I don't think he goes back to New England. Depends on the asking price, because I'm pretty sure when they traded him, they traded him out of New England. I'm pretty sure, yeah. right? Well, I don't I know because Nick Casario, he's he's real tight with with. Uh, I hate that guy. Something about his with face. Bill. Golly. <laughs> yeah, um, man. He he can go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. He can go to the Packers. <laughs> I like I think that would actually make a lot of sense. Oh man. That that would be fireworks. Do you guys think that honestly. do you guys do you guys think that the Cardinals make a deal? No. No. Not 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 even to replace JJ? Nah. If we talking about that, I mean, I could see them giving us a call. I mean, listen, that's what I said. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that's interesting. You got to replace that. JJ Watt was definitely, um, JJ Watt was definitely good against the run for them. And I think uh, vocally, 
he was he was doing a lot for that defense as well too. I think they needed some some veteran leadership. So maybe. And another injury we forgot too. Uh, a guy that we all uh, would like to have in green, Daniel Hunter, Torres Peck. Yeah. So that was uh, you know, and this is, might sound horrible. That just makes him a little bit cheaper this all season. I would still I would still bring him in because I think that dude is a stud. Oh, without a doubt, you bring him in, especially if you can get him for cheap. And then that's one last thing you got to worry about come draft time. Exactly. And we love draft time. But we listen. Love it. And I've been watching a lot of college football. Exactly. I have not, but there's plenty of time for that. So, uh, y'all good for around the league? Yeah. All right, let's get into this dub. <laughs> All right, listen. The Jets have already – this is only week eight, and the Jets have already matched their entire win total from the 2020 season. All right? So, I'm not trying to say – that this is better, but this is better. So the Jets, uh, the Bengals came to town thinking that they were going to get a dub, and the Jets proved otherwise. They beat the Bengals 34-31 to 31 on the back, on the heels of a great performance by backup Mike White, who shredded the Bengals to the tune of 37 for 45, 405, that's 405, 405, with <laughs> three TDs and two interceptions. All right, this is the first time, and Jets actually scored on the first drive. This is the first time the Jets have done that all season. Uh, the Jets had six first downs in the first quarter. That's more than they had in the first half, I believe, um, combined. And and this was great. This was great. So, and uh, th- there was just so many things that frustrates you, and there's a, there's a bunch of things that that make you happy. So this was the first game that Michael Floor, no coincidence, was in the was in the press box. It was a lot of firsts for this team. And it was just it just made it just made a bunch of sense and it was really fun to watch. So we're gonna break down Mike White. Uh TK, I'm gonna start with you. What did you love? I um I love this poise. I love this poise and his decision making. Like he he looked like the ultimate game manager without being the ultimate game manager because he took every single dink and dunk that the defense gave him. Like every single one. He, he had Michael Carter looking like Christian McCaffrey liked, you know, with the way he was, was, was dumping it off to him and, and Carter make, you know, doing his magic, which we'll talk about, but yeah, I, I liked his decision-making. Um, I, I think, you know, he, he needs to work on his touch a little bit. Um, but, you know, man, he 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 surprised me. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to, to folks like I knew he was going to do it. But I will say I had a good feeling about him and I put him in like three DraftKings leagues and I won on each one of them because he was like, you did. You, did. you know, he was he was less than one percent pick. Actually, he was like point one six percent pick. So, you know, I, I lit it up with, with him on that. But, yeah, man, um, he had, he made great decisions. Um, you know, he 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 moved the ball. He looked comfortable. He he looked poised. Um, he, he just looked – he looked ready. And, and that says a lot considering we had a bye week and nobody looked ready. So, big ups to him. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he, he looked like a guy, and I'm going to say this like in the nicest way possible, he looked like a guy that has sat and watched for about a year and a half and just, you know, looked at different coverages, looked at how teams lined up, learned how to watch tape, and learned how to take, you know, what the defense gives them. This is kind of 
this epitomized what we had hoped Zach would be doing, you know, weeks one through seven before the injury. And it's just, it was so impressive. And, and granted the offensive line played their ass off. Like I, I, I don't, I mean, he was only sacked two times for, for eight yards, but he had a damn clean pocket of, of three plus seconds, more than a handful of times. And even when it broke down a little bit, he stepped up into it instead of immediately abandoning and getting quick feet. So no, nah, he took everything the defense gave him. I'm really surprised the Bengals didn't adjust to that, those little underneath routes, but it just seemed like Mike White always knew where his check down was. It didn't matter, you know, if the if it was a longer developing play, there was always a guy, specifically Michael Carter, like you said, we'll get into, where he knew where he was, even on that interception, he knew where he was, he knew what he was running, and he knew to get him the ball in case any, any you know, there was any play breakdowns or anything like, or, you know, offensive line breakdowns. And, man, it was just, it was nice to see. And Mike White joined only one other quarterback in NFL history in their first start throwing for over 400 yards and three touchdowns, and that's Cam Newton. And I'm, you know, obviously we're not here to, we're not here to hype up Mike White as this next, you know, great guy who's going to be the Wally Pip of the NFL, you know, anything like that. But hell of a damn performance. You can't ask for anything more. And and I think one more thing that we that goes kind of without saying is that do we owe kind of Joe Douglas a little bit of an apology? Just for I understand we wanted him to address that veteran quarterback, you know, backup or whatever. But Mike White just came in and dropped a 400 yard bomb on on statistic or you know the presumptive number one team in the AFC prior to this, you know, this game being played, they just beat the Ravens. So it's like, this looked like it was going to be a steamroll. So yeah. I don't know, man, Mike White looked like he had a, a great week of preparation. He, he looked like he knew exactly what he was looking at. And the game looks, looked like he slowed it down for himself and he made it easy for himself by taking those checkdowns. and kudos to him. It's great showing. Mike White is 26 years old. He's been in the league for four years and he looked like somebody that knew exactly where to go if a certain situation happened, which we haven't been able to say for Zach because obviously he's a rookie. Mike White looked poised. He looked relaxed. He looked like a veteran backup. He did. So maybe we do owe Joe Douglas a bit of an apology. And honestly, once we get to some more of the key performers throughout the game, we owe him a few. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I I think we kind of, you know, not not, not full apology, but we'll kind of, you know, ease up on him. It was great, man. Um, uh, something that, that 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 wasn't meant. Listen, you already know I, I'm always here to be proven wrong. I'm hoping I'm proven wrong. The problem is the last ten years I haven't been proven wrong that many times, which is bad. But I think the biggest thing that that, that is that he bounced back after throwing two interceptions. I, I think people like, truly forget that. I mean, I think both of them were tipped, right, by our players. That's correct. Yeah. So I mean, the way to bounce back. I just love the way that the offense made sense. Even the concepts were flowing off each other. Now, let me ask you guys a question. It, was that all, was it all Mike White? Was it the Bengals giving up the underneath or was it a combination of Mike LaFleur being in the press box, seeing, seeing the field? It, it's crazy. It's like if you're at a higher level, you can kind of see the game and how the defense wants to attack your offense. This shit is crazy. It's a wild concept, but here we are. So I think it was a combination of all of that. But, I mean, listen, I was truly impressed, man. Mom, Matt, you had a stat where <clears> – damn, <throat> yeah, sorry. You had a stat where how many of the – how many of the 297? So, so 297 out of his 405 yards came on passes that were in the underneath. And by underneath, I mean about 10 yards or less. And they were – obviously, a majority of those, you know, 100, 100 or so of those passing yards were to Michael Carter, which tells you all you really need to know about about that. But, yeah, 297 out of his 405 yards came underneath. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and that tells me a couple things. One, Michael Thor has to stay up there when and if Zach returns. Two, this supporting cast isn't as bad as it is, and they definitely didn't have their quote-unquote number one receiver. Um, And they have to use the entire roster. They have to. They all offer different things. Elijah Moore was finally utilized. Jameson Crowder was, I mean, this is basically what Crowder does. We've seen that the last couple of years. Uh, Keelan Cole had a ridiculous catch that was ter- overturned. And I actually kind of thought that was a catch, especially since they let that T Higgins catch go. And I, I even thought Denzel Mims blocked really well. So, I, I mean, all in all, you cannot, we're not going to say that he's Wally Pitt, but listen, he might be Matt Flynn. <laughs> Remember Matt Flynn was good. <laughs> Matt Flynn would come in out of nowhere and give you those 400 yard performances. So, um, yeah, man, I, I was thoroughly impressed. You guys have anything else to add? I just, just to touch on your point real quick, I think that you're 100% right. We can attribute, everyone's going to be so fast to be like Mike White, Mike White, Mike White, Mike White, but we can attribute this to so many things working well. 100%. It doesn't, you can't, like, quarterbacks take all the blame and defeat, and head coaches take all the blame and defeat for the most part. But all the success is it's a team game, and that's what people forget to, to, to mention when they're, they're watching these games is that it takes a whole damn team. So we can attribute Mike White's success in large part to the fact that Trey Hendrickson didn't get three and a half sacks this game. We can attribute Mike White's success to the fact that the wide receivers didn't get confused or fall down on routes this game, or the offensive line cumulatively performed really well. So there's a lot of success to, to be spread out, and we got to, you know – as fans have to understand that that's how it is in, in, in victory. And I just think that the combination of LaFleur, the blocking, even, you know, after some injuries hit us and, and the, the backups coming in and producing just equally as well as the starters did, there's just so many different things that we can point to and say, this is why we had success. And that's the best part of a victory like this is that you can't sit there and say, oh, Mike White bailed us out all game. Well, no, the defense came up big on his first interception. If that if they don't stop them on that those those four downs, it's you know 38-34, potentially. So you, you you never know. But yeah, I, I mean to your point, you can just attribute the success to a whole multitude of things. It doesn't have to be one specific thing. I know exactly what it all is. It's it's Halloween. That's it. Like you know, and we don't lose in the black jerseys. Yeah. So you know it's 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 just it's just one of those you know one of those things, man. I, I, no, seriously though, I'm I'm really hoping that you know um, that this team has has turned the corner completely. You know, like the whole team, you know, with with the quarterback play, running backs, the line, the line looked excellent, dog. Like, I this is the best the line has looked all season. Even when Fant went out, you know, we had a Doga come in and, and do his thing, but um. You know, you had LaFleur up top, and I, I sincerely hope he stays up there. Well, he – from what I read, it turns out Mike White said he'd be more comfortable with LaFleur upstairs. Zach Wilson specifically has said he wants LaFleur to be next to him. Well, I read, I read something to that effect. So in, in my head, it's – you got the guy who's been in the NFL for four years, you know, only – you know, he's bounced around for practice squad to practice squad, but he finally got a chance. So, you know, this is kind of his first real, obviously, game. But you got that, and then you got the rookie. So it kind of makes sense when you think about it why Mike White would be more comfortable with four upstairs because he's been, you know, on a practice squad. He's been in the NFL for four, for four years. So, yeah. you know, I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. And, yeah, and I, I get that. Stay up there. 
I, I I do get that, but you know, for the for the betterhood of of the entire team, man. Like, and we talked about this weeks ago. His his inability to really see everything that's going on, um, because he's too distracted, like right there on the field with with all these bodies and all this and that. So, you know, I I I hope he stays up there, man. I I whether Zach is back or not, like. This is what you're going to have to deal with. We got radios. You can talk with him all you need to, but he needs to be up top in order to put everybody, not just Zach, in the best position to, to win the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously hoping that uh, that he stays there and we, we keep, this, keep this thing rolling, man. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm pretty sure that, that Sala – when I was watching the post-game interview, they were kind of asking about the decision to go up there and, and you know, sit in the box upstairs. And I think Sala ultimately just came out. He, he indirectly said it, but I think Sala insisted. And by insisted, I mean kind of told LaFleur that he kind of has no choice but to go up there. And ultimately, that's what he did, and, and it paid off. So, I, I mean, it's just – I don't know, man. It, it's crazy because I, I think that this might be the time where we can actually say, like, we told you so and not feel guilty about it or – feel like we're being you know a-holes about it because the reality is is that we've been saying this since day one i understand rookie quarterbacks might learn better this way or the other way but you got a whole team to worry about and and we saw it this sunday that lafleur going up there benefited the whole damn team so uh you got to keep doing that yeah i think he has to stay up there till further notice i'm not sure if y'all said that or not but i mean this just proves that no, no matter what zach wants mike lafleur should definitely be in the press box for sure so yeah, um, man, that you know the, the whole game was just 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 crazy, man. You know we we talking about you know the floor um, being in the, in the box and like he, I, I've been back and forth with different Jets fans over this last day or so, and I strongly feel like he called a completely different game, and other people feel like nothing changed. It was just the execution by Mike White. Like where where do you guys sit with that? I think. I th- oh yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think the execute. I think it was a little bit of both. The plays just made sense. They started to flow a little bit more. He was dedicated to the run. I mean, uh, they threw a bunch of screen passes. Uh, and there there were a bunch of. I mean, there were a bunch of routes. Um, I mean, and I have to say it was a combination of both. With the plays just flowed and they made more sense. They were more creative. There was uh, the jet sweep motions to to throw and and get the linebackers' right. eyes going elsewhere. There was just there was just, I don't know. The game just had more flow. So so like my my take on it was you know I told a guy I was like he called a different game because he recognized the different attributes with with Mike White. You know, he called it because I think he felt like he could handle it better than, you know, Zach could handle it. And then, like, we saw all this creativity that we haven't seen. Like, we're watching this this game in real time, and we're talking back and forth between the three of us. And we're like, you know, where has this been? What You know, what where has your usage of, of Elijah Moore been versus, you know, previous games? So my take on it was, like, the whole thing was just different. Yeah, he called some of the same plays, but like th- the script was different. Five or six straight passes starting off the game. Like first time they've done that. It's usually two runs and a pass. If they make it that far. 
Advanced play action on second down. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, without establishing the run. Like I just don't I just I just don't get it. And to be honest, I told you guys, like, I mean, I like they they had just been pissing me off after that New England game. I, I missed the first I mean, half of the first quarter. Like when we came, you know, like when I when I got and I started got and I got back in the group chat, I was surprised that that the game was as close as as it was. But you know, it's you know, it's, it's good to see, man. He has to keep it up. They have to keep it up. And you know what else? Like it is a combination of both. It's a combination of Mike White executing the game plan and, and Lafleur calling a, a hell of a game. But it can't get lost in here that I think that Mike White. I think it's easy when you look at Zach Wilson to fall in love with all the throws he can make because he can make these deep throws. He can make every damn throw off schedule, on schedule. It doesn't matter. He can make them all. I think LaFleur knew Mike White's arm might be a little more limited than Zach's is, if, if we're being totally honest, or at least we, that's what I would guess based on you know what I saw with the 300 yards being underneath routes. But I think LaFleur understood that called a damn game where he always had a check down. He always had, always had an underneath route to hit in case of an emergency. I mean, look at the first pass to Denzel Mims. Where was that? That was a fake bootleg, uh, a fake pitch to a bootleg. Denzel Mims going into the flat. What happened? Nice, easy completion, right? I mean, how many passes did we see from Mike White where it was really him fitting it into this immensely small window longer than 10 yards? It wasn't because I think I saw somewhere in the ballpark of 20, he was 22 of 24 on all completions less than 10 yards, something to that effect. And it's just, it, it, it's, you know, he just, LaFleur game plan right. He called the right damn plays. He knew what his quarterback was capable of. And, and Mike White took what the defense gave him. So it's a combination of both. I don't think this is an indictment on Zach Wilson as a quarterback. I just think Mike White executed the game plan that they, they set forth. And I think if you continue to game plan this, with, this way, you can have success with any quarterback. But it's it's about understanding the other team and how to game plan for them. I think, uh, honestly, I just think everything, this was just a culmination of everything just coming together and gelling at the same time, because there was a lot of plays, man, where they blitzed. Mike White knew exactly where his check down was. How many times did it look like Zach didn't know where his check down was, or he just didn't want to check down? Well, I mean, I mean, have a check down though. I mean, a lot, a lot of, of yeah, but there's also a lot of times where we're like, Hey, just throw it right to the flats. And he just refuses yeah. to do it. And I mean, I, honestly, the only thing that this showed me is that one, Michael Floor needed half a season to learn how to structure his plays and call the plays that he likes and to get the flow of the game. And two, Zach Wilson was not ready to start day one. Like, 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 let's be real. Zach Wilson was not ready to start day one so they kind of botched that so now they kind of have an opportunity hopefully this happens because we all remember i think that some of sam's best stretch of games came after he he was hurt and he got to watch mccown you know do his thing a little bit and he came back and that's when he went you know pretty much toe-to-toe with the packers and we all got extremely hyped so i mean i think i think for one zach's injury isn't you know, career threatening or even season threatening. So we should be happy about that. And two, now he really doesn't have to rush back. So I think that, that that's the great thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I'm hoping, obviously we're coming, we're, you know, we have a short week coming up game on Thursday and it's, I, I just, I think everyone's going to be quick to be like, okay, like Mike White is the guy now, you know, whatever. If he goes out there for the next three, four games and he does this, okay, there could be a conversation to be had there. But let's slow our roll. Let's see, you know, how these next couple of weeks, you know, play out and, and hope that LaFleur can continue to, to game plan the way he did against the Bengals, who were one of the better teams coming into into this week. So, I mean, without a doubt, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So yeah, it stay is up in down. the box, though, please. 
Oh, for sure. It's definitely going to be interesting. And I'll tell you what, if we can move, uh, TK, you got anything else to add for Mike White? Nah. Listen, um, Elijah Vera Tucker is also making everyone's life much easier. I don't know where you want to start. <laughs> Unless you're when, on defense. Yo, listen, when you can, when you notice guard play, when you're watching on TV and you're not watching all 22, you know that, 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 that he's putting yeah, in work. Yeah. Did you, uh, the play, did you, uh, I think Matt posted in the group. Did you I see the play? Where, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, also, block? yeah, the double block. Also, what is Connor McGovern doing on that? So I was reading into it a little bit. McGovern was supposed to, when they brought the, the, the blitz up to the line of scrimmage, there was a, it's supposed to be a, a block shift to the left. AVT realized that McGovern didn't do it. Strong arm the guy on the inside. And then, and then pancaked you know, his, the, and pancaked the blitzer. So yeah, yeah, yeah he stone yeah he stonewalled the guy with with his right arm and then knocked the guy up and gave Mike White time to uh, defeat that blitz. And that I was mean, the touchdown too. Exactly, I, I can't speak enough about the like this kid. This kid is legit. I mean, he uh, he put Von Bell in the dirt. His pass oh, exactly. blocking has gotten much better. His run blocking has been really good. I think every time they run behind him, it, it's been great. And yeah, so it looks like Joe Douglas. <laughs> did good with uh with one of his uh two first rounders this year. So I mean I mean I, I was I'm thoroughly impressed thoroughly impressed with this I kid. I think in the group chat every time I saw AVT making a play on that first touchdown drive when he walled off the guy on the outside for the for I think Michael Carter it was a run running right if I'm not mistaken yes yes I joined late but <laughs> when he walled someone off him and Denzel Mims were blocking all the way downfield. Easiest damn touchdown I've ever seen. I, there was another play where he got he, he just kept getting to the second level and either pancaking the guy or sealing it off. Michael Carter had an 18-yard run in this game. I, it, it almost was a touchdown if he would have split the defense. But uh, the two defenders, where there he is. There's AB, I think ABT pulled, got to the second level, completely stonewalled. I think it was the safety at the time, and 18-yard run. It was just it was absolutely a master class on how you – how you play guard and it was just it was impressive and this is why you go out there and this is why we've been saying interior offensive linemen are, are becoming equally as important and this was just another case of it ABT was I think he was the second highest or third highest graded player in this game and he's been I think the second or third highest rated guard in the NFL over the last four weeks now so yeah. I'm going to attribute the first couple you know the first you know struggles to just slow start for a rookie but Listen, man, if this play keeps up and Beckton, fingers crossed, comes back, you know, could could really have a problem with uh with them on the on the left side, assuming Beckton stays on the left. Yeah, and and another thing too, how much of that was him being a rookie and how much of it was his veteran center routinely missing assignments? Yeah, communication issues. A ton of communication issues. Uh you know, keep it oh, I'm sorry, TK, you want to jump in with uh ABT? Oh no 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 no! I, I'm just I'm just listening to y'all go. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, keep, let, let's keep it with the offensive line. There might be a conversation to have. I think since since you brought up you know Beckton coming back and possibly you know staying on the left side, I think the conversation almost needs to be had. George Fan has been really good. I think borderline <laughs> like Pro Bowl level at left tackle. So I, I mean, he he's been really good. He got banged up, and I don't I don't think it's going to be serious and. Chuma Doga came in and did pretty well too. He had the false start, and you guys know I've been trying to kick Chuma Doga inside for the last two years now. But Fan has been great. Uh, I mean, he he was holding uh, Trey Hendrickson down. 
And then Chumadoga came in and he didn't really give I I don't think that sack was all him. He he got depth and then Mike White stepped up in the pocket. But the left tackle position without Becton has been okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna pose it to y'all. When he was coming out, I thought Makai Becton fit. He's a prototypical right tackle. He's a he's a he's a big dude. He's a mountain of a man, kind of struggles with the speed rush. I thought that he was gonna be a right tackle. Now he proved that he could play right tackle, but he hasn't proved that he can stay healthy for an entire season yet. When Makai Becton comes back, do you try him out at right tackle or do you make the entire line weaker by putting George Fan at right tackle where he's not as good at? And Makai Becton, who's gonna be rusty. TK, what do you say? You gotta move him to the right. Oh, so like, you think so? Okay. Yeah, because listen, man, you know, um, Solid talks about, you know, people earning their their play and, 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 you know, their spot and nothing is given. Like, you cannot, you cannot dismiss what Fent has done on that left side just to bring him back. You can't because it's, it's not in the best interest, you know, of, of the team. So, I think that they should move him to the to the uh move back to the right. Um and and just just roll with it. Like if and the reason why I say that is if you do that and keep Fan on the left and he finishes the year the way he's playing right now, you keep him. You you keep Fan, you still got back to you know under control for at minimum, three more seasons. You know, so your left side is shored up, your right side is shored up. Now you you worried about your right guard center, especially right guard. We, we all talk about yeah, that I mean, every, every yeah, like I'm, I'm not. I'm not even the scrimmage. We saw what the what the issue with yeah. the right guard position was. So you know, I, I have no problem with it. Just like you know, the same thing with with Mike White. If Mike White goes out there Thursday. And it plays well, and then plays well the following Sunday. You let him keep going, exactly. especially if we win the games. Exactly. Like it's not about the per the, the person; it's about the team. So you gotta just 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 roll with it, man. And if if Mike White finishes the year out strong as hell, there's other conversations to be had. We, it ain't like we hadn't seen it before. Look at Arizona. I, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, like we all got on board with this kid and we all agreed that he he has the, the arm talent and all of that. But we're Jets fans. We want to win, damn it. I'm sick of being embarrassed. So you do what you got to do to get the team better. And if that means you move Makai Beckton to the right and let him kill people on the right-hand side, then that's what it is. Who, who would have – I mean, this isn't really so much a question because it's rhetorical. Who would have the easier transition moving to the right side? We've already seen fans struggle moving to the right side. We've already seen it. Moses hasn't been bad by any means. He hasn't been great, but he's been, you know, what you signed him for. He, he's able to start. He's able to get some reps and, and not bad. Not good, not bad. Back then would have the easier transition to the right side. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. He's a marauder. He's going to, he's probably going to do fine on either side. And he's young enough to the point where, he can make that change in his, you know, his preparation where he learns how to kick set going the other way. He learns how to get deep on his, on, on his drop back on passes, you know, whatever. So I, would I have that conversation? Yeah. I, internally, I would have that conversation. Would I present that conversation yet? Absolutely not. 
I would give it, you know, give it another couple of weeks, let it marinate, see how obviously Fant needs to be healthy and whatnot. But listen, man, the, the problem I guess you, you run here is you risk potentially pissing off your, your left tackle. And granted, I understand he hasn't been in the league long. He doesn't really have a, a you know, a, a say in, in, in any of this. But, you know, if he's a team guy, he'll move to the right side if they ask him. If he's not a team guy, like we had this conversation, you, you're going to probably look to move move from him which would suck because I'm 99% positive he would be a franchise left tackle for someone else if he stayed healthy. But, yeah, if Fan continues to play at the level he is, the Pro Bowl level he is, where he's not getting penalties, he's not giving up sacks, uh, you're right. The conversation has to be had there. But I'm not bringing that conversation up until I know Makai's healthy, quote-unquote, and, and then we'll go from there. But, I mean, as it stands right now, it, it again, this is just a good problem to have. We said this about the wide receiver position too. Corey Davis didn't play. Our wide receivers went out there and they all touched the ball. We won the damn game. Is there a conversation to be had there too? Yeah, sure as hell is. But I'm not having that conversation until we go out this Thursday and then we go out the following week. And if our offense looks significantly worse with our presumptive number one wide receiver, there's a conversation to be had there then, right? I mean, then you have that conversation. But I'm not having that conversation about Beckton until he's fully healthy and ready to come back and we really can see how he looks. Because I really do think that the biggest part with him is obviously the health and its conditioning. If he was a little, just a little lighter on his feet, I feel like injuries could be cut back. I mean, if if, if Jason Peters could walk around at 340, three, you know, whatever the hell he was, and play left tackle for the Eagles for however many years, I, I don't see why Beckton couldn't successfully do that too. It's just it really comes back down to health. That's it. That's the thing, though, man. Was was Jason Peters ever 380? I mean, Makai was 364 at the – He was 360, I think, at one point. I, I don't know, man. Listen, all I know is Ogden was 6'9", and he was 340. And Peters uh, – but Peters didn't get hurt, you know? So, I, I mean, Makai is – he was 364 at the combine. So, that means that you're in the best shape of your life at the combine. So, that means he's walking around at 380, bro. Like, you know, like, like we've talked about this. I don't want to, like, really get back into – you know, this isn't Jenny Craig. I don't want to keep talking about his weight. But – I just think that his his play style, how big he is, if he's going to stay at that weight and just continuously get injured, I think he just moves. I think, just think that he fits well at, at right tackle. But you know, the, the, oh, you're, you're right. No, no, it really is a good problem to have. And that, another thing too, I think we should just touch on Chumi Doug a little bit. Now he's left over from uh, the Mike McCagnan era. He came in 2018, so he's been on the team for four years. I thought, I thought that he did really well. Granted, do you? I, I was I was shocked, and he was going against Henderson. Henderson is a is a really good pass rusher. I think I think Chuma Doga needs to be salvaged, and I thought I thought this before he even proved himself this weekend. I think Chuma Doga needs to move to right guard. Like, great, listen, Greg Van Roten, and he can like they cannot continue to put Greg Van Roten out there. Like, I know I know that we keep talking about this, but I think and and I know that we all think that Cam Clark was probably supposed to be that guy to take over, but I think that now, especially when Makai comes back, you have to start working. You have to start working Idoga in at guard in practices because now you're going to have your tackles back. So then Morgan Moses will be available if anybody gets hurt. I think that that just needs to be the play going forward, and I think that strengthens your team even more. So I mean, I mean that was good to see. Um, yeah, let's get into Michael Carter. Uh, Michael Carter. Y'all know, uh, the guys know how much I love Michael Carter. The fans and listeners of this show, I think y'all know how much I love Michael Carter. But I think that this was the Michael Carter breakout game. I think we're going to look back at this and say this is when we, this is when he became our quote-unquote bell cow. So 
So he rushed the ball 15 times for 77 yards with a TD, 5.1 yards per clip, and he had nine receptions for 95 yards. Nine receptions for 95 yards. That is Christian McCaffrey light, like TK said. Uh, Matt, what do you have to say? Like that the numbers don't already say about Michael Carter. Again, this is the I told you so, like portion of the season, it feels like, because like we said in preseason, Michael Carter should be the bell cow. He should be getting majority of the touches, first down, second down. Now he's proven that he could be a damn pass catcher out of the backfield. And I thought that was the biggest point of, of work that, that he might have needed. So I don't know, man. It's just, listen, you, Ty Johnson had a hell of a game receiving too. So kudos to him for finally learning how to catch. But Michael Carter did everything we know he's capable of and more, honestly. And, and the best part of this is LaFleur didn't abandon the run at any point in the game. Didn't abandon it at all. But he made sure Michael Carter was available as a check down, a viable check down option. And then what does Michael Carter do? I mean, there was that one play where I think it was a screen. Looked like he was going to stop in the backfield, did a little spin, ended up getting the first down on – I think it was second down and 10. It's just like the dude does it all. And, and, a, and a, a large part of it is because is he's a smaller back. He's only, what, 5'8 and a half, 5'9 maybe. So he has a lower center of gravity. He doesn't go down easy. How about that damn play when everyone thought he was down and then he kept he kept himself up, ran for an extra 10 yards, kept his hand down in the dirt and, and ran for an extra 10 yards. I mean, that's stuff you can't really, you know, you, there's drills for it, but you can't really just do it. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. There's not a lot to say about Michael Carter that his numbers don't say for, you know, themselves. And I was just thoroughly impressed. And this just further proves what we've been saying since week one is that you got to continue to feed him and give him the ball because – He's you got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And right now, him, he's pretty much the biggest playmaker they have on the offense. Yeah, and, I, and he's also a smart heads-up football player as well, too, because you saw at the end of the game, he was trying to ice the game. Uh, you just want him to get the first down before he uh, slides and gives himself up. But, yeah, he, he's a smart football player as well, too. Uh, Tyrus, what do you have to add? Oh, man. Um, he, he got the moves like Jagger, man. And he he showed that a long time ago, like he he had the like the the most exciting one or two yard runs that we've seen from a Jets running back in a long time, probably ever that I can remember. Um, and and now we're not only seeing those moves, but we're seeing those moves in conjunction with positive gains. And, and now he's really just you know doing his thing, man. And you know is is really. It's really exciting to watch this kid play. It's really great to see. And it's also exciting to see how LaFleur utilized him this last game. And I hope to see that continue game in and game out because, I mean, you 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 ride your, your, your running back. That's that's your bell cow. Um, and he's, he's, he's pretty much rendered Tevin Coleman useless now because Coleman looked good on passing downs. Coleman looked good, you know, coming out the backfield, catching, you know, swings and all of that. And now you got this kid catching the ball and, and, and doing magic with it. You, you really don't need Coleman now. He's 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 there just in case, you know, break glass just in case. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what this kid becomes. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly where you want Tevin Coleman to be. No disrespect, but, you know, um, I thought the offense was balanced. I mean, you go down, Denzel Mims got his most work with Corey Davis out. Uh, he was he, he blocked his ass off. Two receptions for 30 yards. Uh, Jamison Crowder did what he did. 
Uh, Elijah Moore, I feel like he's finally, I feel like they're finally starting to, to, to understand how to properly use Elijah Moore. We saw him in the slot a little bit more. He had, uh, I believe, it, how many jet sweeps did he have? Two? No, he had one. Yeah, one, but he uh, they faked it. They put him in motion a couple times. So it's good to see them finally starting to use Elijah Moore the way that the Cardinals have been using Rondell Moore. Um, so so that, so that was pretty good to see. Uh, you guys have anything to add uh, with the wide receivers? Uh, I just want to say this uh, on the topic of Elijah Moore. We've been preaching how to use him for you know a long time, you know, since week one and, and how we expected him to be used. But just once, I would like him to – the dude gets three and 3.9 yards of separation every time he goes out there. That holding call doesn't happen. And Mike White throws a good ball. That's a touchdown. That's like a – what is that, a 45-yard touchdown? And we've seen that a few times from him, yeah. namely in the Falcons game. We've seen it. It's going to happen sooner or later, whether it's with Zach or Mike or whoever. But it's going to happen, and you can see it. This is just the beginning for Elijah Moore. They're learning how to use him now just so that they can they can set up. And, and one last point I want to just say about the offense in, 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 you know, totality is I was watching the press conference, and a lot of those checkdowns that Mike White had were designed shots. They were designed to go deep. It's just, you know, obviously they were dropping nine or however many in coverage. So, you know, I mean, it's nice at least that they were looking to take the shots, and, and eventually they will get it, especially when if, you know, teams like the Colts coming up, they take away that underneath. The Jets are going to be forced to take those shots, and it's nice because that might mean Elijah Moore will finally get that opportunity to get that deep ball that we've been hoping he gets for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think that's going to open up guys like Keelan Cole. I think Keelan Cole's been open a lot um, downfield, too. I, to be honest, Elijah Moore should have four, like, I, I can think off the top of my head, maybe you guys can correct me, about four bombs. I know that he dropped two, uh, he dropped one in the Carolina game. Uh, he should have been, it should have been a gimme walk-in touchdown uh, when Zach threw, basically let him out of bounds. The one yesterday, and then I'm pretty sure, I know I'm missing one, I think one from the Broncos game. So he could have four explosive plays. So it'll be good to see uh, a QB actually get it to him and and the offensive line hold up a little bit. Um Listen, Lamichael P. Ryan even got in the game, so I don't. I don't listen. It was. It was like uh, I don't Halloween, know. Halloween, man. Yeah, I think it was Halloween, right? We shouldn't get too high. Black right? jerseys need to be the permanent jerseys. Yo, I've been. Yes, I said what exactly. I said. Exactly. I'm exactly. Exactly. Those black jerseys are clean, and they always play well in those black jerseys. So, <laughs> I mean, so so that Michael P. Ryan. Listen, Tyler Cross touchdown. Okay, a thing about that play. Say, say, I think, I think we're going to say that. Okay, but did you also see how Denzel Mims drew double coverage? And I don't that's even why want he to went. Talk about it. I don't. Yeah. It's going to get me too happy. And then everyone yeah. should be like, then I'm going to get told that Denzel Mims did nothing and he gives up on routes. That's exactly. what I'm going to get told, courtesy of exactly. Facebook Jets group chat sometimes. I'm going to get Listen. told that Denzel Mims gives up, even though Denzel Mims is drawing doubles in, in the red zone. I see maybe why they don't throw the damn 50 50 balls in the end zone because he's usually getting blanket coverage by two people because he's so much bigger and, and he goes up and gets the ball. And we've seen it. We saw it last year in the Chargers game when he when Flacco was throwing him the ball. But that play, first of all, Mike White looked off the safety to the right in the red zone. His eyes went all the way to the right, worked all the way to the left. Tyler Croft wide open. Also, Tyler Croft ran a hell of a route, too. It was like a double move. It was like an out and up. It was, it was it was beautiful. He did. He did. TK, you got anybody else that stood out before we get over to the defense? Uh, nah, not really. The only thing I want to add is that I hope they keep Elijah Moore the hell off the outside. Um, I, I hope that they continue to utilize Denzel Mims. 
I hope they continue to do these, you know, trick plays and screens and, and all of those types of things. Um, I still hate the fact that Crowder's leaving after this year. And, uh, yeah, man, get rid of Greg Van Rodden. Yeah, oh, listen. Personnel, by the way. Exactly. And, you, hey, guys, we didn't even talk about the uh, the Mike White special. The uh, the reverse the, the, uh, the yeah, Philly Mike special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Philly Mike special. Yeah, man. That, and that was a, that was a pretty good catch by him too. Oh, so no, it was no, just the really Jersey Mike special. Look at that. The Jersey. Oh, oh Jersey Mike special. Jersey I like Mike that one. I like special. that one. Somebody give actually me the trademark. So I actually have a stat for you guys before we switch over to the defense. Uh, this season, the uh, teams were 0 and 59 when trailing by and trailing by double digits for five minutes left. The Jets made it one and 59. That was a truly exciting game. Halloween, man. Listen, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I mean, like, like we've like our offense has been so inept and anemic the last couple of years. Before, like, I just, I just knew, I just knew that they weren't going to convert that first down. And listen, the refs have been shitting on us a lot. And I know a lot of teams say that, but our QB got knocked out of the game on consecutive plays on roughing the passer plays. So it was good to actually get a call in our favor with the helmet to helmet hit. Cause the DB did lead with the crown of his head. So it, that was good to get that. So it, it was a good win that the Jets needed. Um, switching over to defense, I thought the defense played aggressive. It's going to be hard, man. The, the Bengals have weapons out the wazoo. Four legit have, yeah, like four legit weapons. And then Uzoma is is coming along. Joe Mixon is a top-tier running back. And Joe Burrow can sling it, man. So they, they were really able. They, they were – it was good that they were able to, to get stops when they needed. Uh, we mentioned Quinnen getting a big stop there in um, – when, when they were in the red zone. Uh, but I think the biggest play of the game we can all agree on was the Shaq Lawson tip. And that was great. Rec- that was great recognition. Cause you know, that was the tight end screen that they were running back to that they beat him on uh, two drives before. So that was great recognition. And that just kind of turned the game. Once that happened, I, I was, I think we all started to feel like, all right, this is, this might be a win that we might be able to, uh, to edge out. But I think, I think what we all want to highlight is Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles holding collectively holding Jamar Chase to three yards for 32, uh, three catches for 32 yards and only one TD. And that one TD, I mean, you, that you're asking a lot from Brandon Eccles to, to cover Jamar Chase in the red zone without a pass rush like that. So yes. I think, I feel like, yeah, I think, uh, I think we can all see like one's Joe Burrow. What was that? that? No, I'm just saying that's backyard football that, uh, that that play that touchdown pass to Jamar Chase was just you know it was backyard football the, the pocket broke down and you're just hoping that you can scramble back and forth and and, and contain them. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it was. Uh, I mean, you, you know, like you really, you really. I was surprised he stayed with him that long. To be honest with you, like uh, he he stuck with him five six seconds or whatever it was and you know kudos to him man because we talking about somebody who's destroyed the league since since day one and we're talking about somebody who Michael Irvin said I believe it was Michael Irvin said he would have 250 yards on us this this game so yeah man it was uh shout out to, to the cornerbacks man I saw something today that the uh the Jets cornerbacks Allowed, allowed the least amount of uh, passing yards out of out of uh, every unit playing on 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 this weekend. Uh, let me see if I can find the number real quick. 
Uh, I think they said that the yeah, the Jets allowed seventy one yards this weekend. Yards allowed by CB units versus the Bengals. Oh, I'm sorry, not this year. It was versus the Bengals this year. Uh, the Jets allowed seventy one. Steelers eighty six. Packers one twenty. Lions one thirty three. Uh, Bears one fifty one. Vikings one seventy one. Jags two seventy two. And the Ravens three twenty six. So, dog on Jets, man. Secondary did his thing. And that's you know what we've been saying this since day one that that you know the secondary scared us and then progressively we've started to like warm up to them. But I think there's a conversation now to be had about, you know, at minimum Bryce Hall potentially being a number one cornerback. Like, you know, uh, I think I'm past that combo. I'm past that. He's the one in my opinion. I mean, no, he's the one for this team, but I'm talking about in totality, like from a league wide perspective, he's, he's the number one. He is the guy like, no, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. All right. I'm t- I'm talking about period. He's a number one cornerback. Like for us, um, I could name a bunch of teams that could yeah. use him as their number one cornerback. Yeah, like a bunch of teams, he would be a number one for. So I, I think that conversation is dead. Like Jamar Chase, you know. Remember when I did the uh, the Hall Monitor? thing when I started calling it and I did the the, the meme and, and, and whatnot and you know all everybody talked about was he hadn't he hadn't really done it against anybody. Wait till he goes up against so and so and so and so and then when Jamar Jamar Chase broke out it was wait till he goes up against Chase and watch how Chase destroys him. Now we saw what happened and I'm I'm telling you man he, he's gonna have another test Thursday against Michael Pittman. Um, but hell, Pittman isn't as fast as as in the shift as Chase. He's big. Nah, and Bryce is a bigger corner too, so it's you know, yeah, it's a size versus size thing. Exactly. So you know, it, it's it, it's one of those one of those things, man. And and, and I, you know, again, he he's the number one for me, regardless of what anybody says. I don't know, man. It, it, it's just, it, it was overall, I mean, I, I there's not much more you can say. The, the only other thing I want to uh, kind of highlight is, is, and it's defensive, but it's, you know, obviously off that pick was the fact that did you saw Denzel Mims hightail it on that pick where him and Elijah Warren made the tackle at the one-yard line prior to the defense coming, up, coming on and holding them to zero points. Yeah. They said Denzel got up to about 21.5 miles per hour and, and Elijah Moore got about 20.5 miles an hour to catch that, uh, to catch Jesse Bates before he scored that single handedly changed the game. It, it really did. Cause we could be talking about a totally different score and, and, and whatnot. So listen, man, that's obviously offensive guys making defensive plays. And there's just some things that aren't on the stat sheet that you can't see on the stat sheet. And that, fortunately for us, that was just one of those plays. And it was just it, overall, it was impressive that Quentin Williams sack was the biggest sack of the game. And overall it was just, impressive from the defense obviously when you put a, a 30 piece up on the jets it's you know on any team realistically it looks like it's a lot of points but when you when you take everything into account the broken plays and and whatnot listen man 31 points and we still got the win i'm perfectly content with how the defense played they helped they, the the you know joe mixon went for what 33 yards cumulatively yeah. they only had about 40 yards rushing which i think is the lowest the jets have allowed all season yeah like they they held the superstars at bay. Honestly, 
And, you know, you, you look at the, the majority of the points came off of turnovers. It, it came from the short fields that they got from the, the Mike White picks and, and you know, uh, that, that long run back. And, and so the defense really, you know, really did a great job, man. Um, they didn't lay down. The, the team as a whole didn't lay down. And that's, that's you know, one of the things we like to see. And even when, when they were losing, you know, I, I hit, hit you up and I was like, man, win or lose, you know, this is still a great game, a great effort, you know, brought by these guys. And, you know, it, it was just something that was really good to see. Not for sure. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> if they could, they they have this short week coming up. I don't. I think we'll probably we'll probably touch on 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 the game coming up sooner or later. Uh, but if the defense could play the way that they did this week, I, I really do feel though as though they can they they can win a couple more games. They have some. Obviously, the Dolphins aren't who a lot of us thought they were going to be. They, we got the Colts, where I think I was the only one in the preseason that picked us to beat the Colts. So this should be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think the defense in totality could could certainly do better this week, which would be saying a lot. But they could they could do better this week if if they you know prepare the right way. So um, I'm just excited to see what what happens. I think if the defense plays the way that they did, they could definitely rattle off a couple more wins. I mean, they they play the Jaguars, they play the Dolphins twice, uh, very winnable games. I think Thursday's going to be. The Texans, yeah, they, there's, some, there's definitely some winnable games coming up. So they they, they just have to be consistent. And it, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think that we're that we're fairly easy to please as long as they play hard. It's uh, we were we were saying that in the game too. We were like, if they lose this, well, I, I think I said verbatim when they lose this game because I really did think we were going to lose this game. I said we can all agree that we would be fine with it because they showed some form of progress. And I mean, obviously, I'll take the win in any any way we can get it. But if we would have lost the game and looked the way we did, I still would have been fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you like to get wins, but we we all realize that this year is really about development. Did you guys touch on Zuniga and uh, the other the other guys that that factored in? Uh, we touched on the the secondary, and, and uh, I think the only person and, we didn't talk about was Zuniga. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I am the the leader of the Jabari Suniga haters club. Like I've been hating on this dude, especially because I, there was a bunch of other pass rushers. I thought that he was the second best drafted pass rusher from his own team. So it was really good to see him actually get on the field and actually make an impact. And and you know he had a strip sack and he also had a QB hit. So it was it was good to see. It. It's almost as if like Joe Douglas finally put his foot down. It was like, listen, you guys can talk about scheme and system all you guys want. Let let, let let's play some of these young guys on here so we could at least see see what we have. And it was good. I mean, uh, Jared Davis was back. He was flying around making some hits. So I know that that's going to take the uh, that's going to take the load off CJ a little bit. I think that if they want to play CJ at the will more, it'll be much easier with Jared Davis in the lineup. So that was really good to see. Um, who else kind of stood out? Shaq Lawson, obviously, with the play of the game. I thought that he's been pretty good all year. Sheldon with the sack to seal the game or to seal the, that drive. Yeah, to seal that drive, yeah, yeah. To, to pretty much stop him right there. So that was a good uh, that was a good play. I think the D-line as a whole has been pretty good. Foley, just doing what Foley does. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it, it was really good to see. Who, who else uh, kind of stuck out to you guys on defense? I – I think Jared Davis, like you said, he, he listen, man, you can see why they signed him. Obviously, Quincy, Will, Quincy Williams was nice while, you know, 
it lasted, so to speak, even even after getting torched a couple of times. But Jared Davis, you kind of just saw why they brought him in. You saw that he has that sideline to sideline speed. If he could just learn how to, you know, control the defense the same way Mosley does, listen, man, you could have two really good linebacker interior linebackers. So yeah, I think Jared Davis had a hell of a game too, if I'm being honest. Michael Carter the second had a oh, solid crap. game as well too. I forgot about QB him. hit. QB yep. hit. And he was like literally inches away from stopping that that third and long play that they converted to Tyler Boyd. So I mean when you get a game like this where there was contributions up and down, I think everybody kind of stepped up because they because the backup QB was in. So everybody probably felt like they had to do more. Yeah. But they have to bring that energy regardless if the backup QB is in or not. So, uh, you know, now now that you give us that, that's to be expected now. Yeah, yeah. You you laid the foundation. Now we know you can do it. So you can't go back. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so so that's what I that's what I definitely want to see from this uh, team going forward. Um, what do you guys have to to put the bow on this game? Uh, I just want to throw. I, I wouldn't. Say, I mean, this kind of puts a bow on the game, but this also puts things in perspective. I think for for all of us, and this is a tweet I saw uh, today, earlier on in the day, and this is just to kind of highlight like the progress. Obviously, I know it's early. Obviously, I know we're only seven games into the season, but let's just quickly compare twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. And, and, you know, we'll see if we can make, draw any conclusions from that. Obviously, 2020, we started 0-7. In those seven games, we only had seven total offensive touchdowns. No games over 30 points scored. Only one game over 20 points scored. And we lost by double digits five times in the first seven games last year. So, like, we were historically bad, at least from Jets' perspective, you know, standard. In 2021, we have two wins. We only – we got our second win last year in week 16. So incremental progress right there off the bat. We have 13 offensive touchdowns. So as much as we give LaFour some crap, we're almost double the touchdowns in the same amount of games. We have obviously one game over 30 30 points, three games over 20 points, and only three double-digit losses. So I don't know if that tells you anything, but that shows even a small incremental amount of progress to me. And that I think Jets fans, when you put it that way, they'll, they'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. I mean, I think I think that's a good way for us to sign out. You got anything else, TK? Uh, no, I, I just want to throw out there, man. Uh, listen, I like Mike White. I love what he did. But I need the Jets fans to cool the Jets. Pardon the terrible pun, but, you know, we're, we're, we're doing entirely too much right now. Just be yeah, I listen, just just ride with it, man. This this is not going to be a playoff season. It's it's going to be ugly at times. You just got to ride the waves. That that's just what I'll say. So let Mike White, let Mike Cook. Hashtag let Mike Cook. We're gonna let Mike Cook until you know he runs out. Of, he runs out of flavor. So I think that that's how we're gonna rock it, man. Yeah. So listen, I think that's a good place to end it right now. So I'm Amari on behalf of TK and Matthew Freeze. We are the Flight Deck Podcast. This was episode 44. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks for rocking with us. Peace.